Hello, Lions Led by Donkeys fans. The following is a two-part series that didn't actually start out as a two-parter, but since the episode went long, it made sense to break it up. So please enjoy part one and expect part two about a week from now. And for the record, the guy's name is actually pronounced Franz Konrad von Hutzendorf, or if you want to be really fancy, Franz Konrad von Hutzendorf. Hello. Hello. <laughs> and here I am laughing at something that happened before we started recording, because for professionals. And welcome feel to left yet out. another episode of the Lions Led by Donkeys podcast. Uh, with me today is Francis and Shocks. And I don't know if we're going by the term zoo crew here, uh, because we're about to talk about like thousands of people freezing to death. And I don't think that it's... It's cool to use like morning radio voices in terms for that. And you're but- dead, dead, dead. <laughs> and then he died of trench foot. <laughs> Fart noise. I mean, that just makes us a barstool podcast, I'm pretty sure. God damn it. Now we have to do something racist. Fuck. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> but no, really, if you listen to Barstool, go fuck yourself. Anyway, um, so, once upon a time, a couple months ago, it was this, it was this year, I think, 2021, uh, where we had our first ever live show, kind of, in the confines of, of Twitch, because we live on opposite sides of this country, quite literally, like one on the Far East, one smack dab in the middle, and me out in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. I'm excited to start referring to Massachusetts as the Far East. Uh, you know, it's funny because that was like the old timey word for Armenia. Well, sorry, no, they called Armenia the Near East uh, during yeah. like during the genocide. They call like Near East relief, like yeah, close enough, I guess. Um, uh, yes, the the fine, the over thereish relief. Yeah, the the people not far enough east where we have to be racist to them. Um, I mean, if I'm the American Far East, that means that makes Francis the Middle East. They're white people, but they talk funny. Wait, if you're from the Far East, does that mean Marky Mark has to commit a hate crime against himself? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think technically, <laughs> yeah. He has to punch himself in the dick 15 times. <laughs> Rochambeau, you take the first 50 turns. <laughs> so, long time ago, um, it seems like way longer than it actually is, because uh, time is dead. We did a kind of live show uh, where we did a, a, a Luigi Cadorno reboot. Where I mean, I did publish as a regular episode, and we managed to fuck up the sound because we're professionals. I think it was mostly me. Um, and you know, ever since the first Cadorna episode came out, which was I, you know, our first or second episode, uh, and then that one, everybody's like, no, 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 Luigi isn't the worst commander ever. This guy is. No, this the that guy isn't the worst commander ever. Luigi is, and then so on and so forth, back and forth for almost three years now. So I've decided to enter another, a, a challenger has entered the arena. He is Mario to the Luigi, and that is Franz Xavier <laughs> Joseph Conrad von Hotzendorf. Um, oh, good old Frank. I'm kind of calling him Conrad for the whole time, because we're talking about Austria-Hungary here, so there's a lot of Franzes. Right, I don't want to get, it's Franzes all the way down. Um, <laughs> <it's> a, <laughs> Just a pile of Franz. Do the Austrians still have rad names like von Hotzendorf? Well, von is a noble signifier, so no, those were well, abolished. Fine, Hotzendorf. Like, are there? Is there like a Joe Hortzendorf? Yeah, it's just the the German version of Smith. Really, the whole place is lousy with Hotzendorf. <laughs> I mean, for for this and any other questions that you might have uh, over the course of this episode, we do encourage you to at Edward Habsburg. <laughs> um that's E D U A R D Habsburg. Um and just you know, just any questions you might have over the course of the episode, any any clarification you might want. We we really do it. He's uh you know, we've been in contact and he's uh he's really interested in taking all of your queries. And uh, you know, tell him to keep his chin up. <sighs> hey! you know, uh, yeah, it's uh social media is horrible. Um but the one thing that we've managed to do is 
you know, like small domino, big domino is now you can literally shit talk someone who used to be able to order you to die just based on like virtue of his birth and to ask like, oh, you guys still fuck your cousins and he will answer you. So like he has to read it. It's law. And he's not even <laughs> verified, which is somehow the funniest part of all of this. Like, even Twitter doesn't recognize the Habsburg fucking family line anymore. <laughs> I mean, so the the uh, the Bethay the family line is actually more recognized right now than the Habsburg family line on Twitter, and I think that's beautiful. <laughs> um, so throughout this episode, I'm going to be calling Austro-Hungary, Austro-Hungary, Austria. Sometimes it's known as just the Habsburg monarchy. Um but yeah, so so people don't get confused. And uh, Conrad von Hotzendorf would eventually become the chief of staff of the Austro-Hungarian Empire. I am not going to go super in depth on how the fuck the quote unquote dual monarchy functions because it's dumb as shit. But I will touch on a few things so I don't lose people along the way. So if, if people are like, how is it Austria and Hungary? Wikipedia that shit. I'm not touching it. Um, <laughs> it's gonna be wild when you learn about this place called bosnia herzegovina actually we talk about bosnia so <laughs> um so the reason why conrad as i will call him because you know we're cool like that we're on a first name basis uh throughout this episode the reason why people believe that he could be he's a candidate for the worst commander of all time i'm not saying that that they're incorrect i'm actually kind of swayed on this because Without him, there's a very good chance we don't have a World War One, which is right. kind of incredible. Um, maybe not so much like some version of war may have happened. Probably not what we saw. Germany was also itching for war. But Austria-Hungary's entrance into the war, which started the war, really, is because of him. Uh, so it, not that he would wait, agree on that. Wait, Joe, I'm I'm digging back into what I've learned about uh, World War One. So did he assassinate the Archduke? No, but well, then then he didn't start World War One because that's that's the only thing I learned that started World War One. That I. Archduke was coming right for him. Um, <laughs> Somebody castle lawed an Archduke, yeah. and all of a sudden the Turks got I all. I mean, he mouthy. wasn't wrong. This fucking Austrian dickhead just rolling through Sarajevo, and a Bosnian shoots him. He shouldn't have fucking been there. Yeah, um, I mean, and you know, and like wearing that like you know gold embroidered hoodie that he was wearing. I mean, he was just asking for it. I cannot God, believe that dude. I'm on a podcast with people blaming the victim. When it's an Archduke, you can't be wrong. Though, to be fair, that guy, Archduke Franz Ferdinand, did hire Conrad von Hotzendorf directly twice. And we will talk about Not that. Not to be his driver, though, right? No. If, if, if he was, the world would be a better place. So, Conrad was born in Penzening, Vienna in 1852 to a military family. His father, Franz, like I said, I'm not going to go by Franz. They're all Franz. It's just all Franz's. Just fr- all of fr- Austria-Hungary is held up by load-bearing Franzes. Do you know what you call a, a large group of Franzias? Or f- f- Franzes? Franzias. <laughs> that would have been Franzias. so good. Now, um, I had too much Franzia. I mean, that's the issue. <laughs> that's the, like, the wine in a box, right? Yeah, yeah damn like, right it is. That's like the, it's, not only is it the wine in the box, it's like the one that like the junkies buy because it's like very fucking sugary. That is that is hilarious because I grew up with boxed wine in my household. My parents were not junkies, but they do like a lot of crap ass wine. So, yeah, my dad was a junkie, did not drink wine. We got to meet in the middle somewhere. Um, <laughs> the junkies drank Boone. No, Boone's Farm is drank by teenagers. Thunderbirds uh, drank by junkie. To junkies, be fair, right? Boone's Farm was also drank by ICP. They literally rapped about it. <laughs> Boone's no. Farm was drank by everybody. There, the circle's complete now. We've once again mentioned ICP on one of our shows. <laughs> the Wild Irish, Wild Irish Rose, and those, those are to be clear, those are bum wines. They're not junky wines. I just oh, okay. want to be very like, you know, I don't want to disparage like the fine branding of like you know Mad Dog Twenty Twenty, for instance. We're gonna get fucking sued by Boone's Farm of all people, and it's gonna be, it's gonna be a class action lawsuit between Boone's Farm and the Habsburg monarchy. <laughs> So, <laughs> Franz's uh, dad, Franz, uh, was a retired colonel in the Hussars, uh, who, like, just so you can get, like, a feeling of, of how his family is involved in some of the most impactful things in Western European history. His dad fought against Napoleon. Um, so, like, yeah, he, Show while his, yeah, his dad won his battle, which is something that Franz would never have to worry about, or Conrad, <laughs> whatever. 
Uh, and his great-grandfather, also Franz, <laughs> is the reason why they are they have the Vaughn in their name, is that like his service to the Emperor uh, ennobled them. Which, I don't talk about this, but Conrad would become ennobled two more times, eventually having Graf in his name, which is like a baron, before those things were abolished. I mean, anyone can get ennobled, but I mean, getting embiggened is really where you're trying to be on that <laughs> Getting embiggenedly nobled with the Habsburgs. <laughs> That um, sounds like the worst fucking cooking show in the history of time. Ugh. It's all about just cooking face meat. Um, now, following his family's <laughs> footsteps, he joined the cadet corps of, of the Hainburg Regiment at the, the ripe old age of 11. Um, this is pretty normal for nobles and rich people at the time is to like kind of give their children to the military at a very young age. Or for the um, UK now. I mean, let's be honest. At least they have to be 16. <laughs> this motherfucker's 11. I was, what were you doing at 11 years of age? Um, I don't know. I was almost certainly playing like Pokemon Red or Blue. I don't remember which one I got first. I'm trying to think. That was what, 94? Man, I don't fucking remember. I hardly remember what I did last month. <laughs> Asking me about 11 years old. Fuck out of here. So... After a few years in the cadet corps, uh, he was admitted to the military academy, uh, where he was until 1871, where he was commissioned as a lieutenant in the KUK Feldjäger Battalion Number 11. Wait, so how old is he now? Uh, I believe he's 18 or 20. Okay, so at least he is so he's like a normal- somewhat of an adult before he got commissioned. Yeah, the cadet corps really seems like just like a boarding school uh, for rich retired uh military probably has a lot to do with nobility uh now like the austria-hungary pride itself on having like an actual meritocracy based ranking system which i know we all laugh at but was on paper quite cutting edge for the day uh like for in prussia and even the uk uh like you know um effectively buying your rank or using connections or connections to royalty whatever Rich people were officers. Now, that was almost always the case in Austria as well, but they said that, that it wasn't. Uh, so most of these people are from very well-to-do families. Um, and it, you know that it just prepares you for where other rich kids go, which is military academy. Now, uh, some German-speaking people might recognize Feldjäger as being military police in the Bundeswehr. That was not the case uh, in the KUK. Uh, which is the imperial and royal army of Austria, because it's the, the, the dual monarchy. I'm just going to assume people know what that means and move on. I mean, I feel um, like all these. I feel like in all these situations, part of the reason why none of these like armies ended up accomplishing very much of anything was because they extended all their titles to the extent by by the time you were done addressing a motherfucker, the battle was over. <laughs> like it's like you know like. You know, fifteen like Edia means title. Yeah, <laughs> like you just like Edia means title is one of my favorites. It's ridiculous. Oh yeah, when the you know King of Scotland and like the rest of that fucking bullshit, uh, and I believe all the beasts and fishes, and I conqueror mean, of the British Empire. I mean, who wouldn't want that title? To be honest, but I mean, yeah, but you got to earn it. You can't just give it to yourself. It's like giving yourself a fucking nickname. I'm gonna give it to Jerry Adams. Like if you call yourself the 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 conqueror of the British Empire, the fucking Ugandan flag better be flying in London, or you're just full of shit. <laughs> I mean. It would have been fucking awesome if, like, George Washington just adopted that. <laughs> I mean, he wouldn't have been wrong. Right. Kind of. I mean, he'd be, like, technically correct, which is the best kind of correct. <laughs> uh, so, like, the Feldjägers were light infantry uh, and infantry-based warfare. He'd eventually become, like, the general of the infantry uh, before he was chief of staff. He never really learned anything else. Uh, he only knew infantry warfare, and even then, badly. Uh, Oh, so yeah, that, that really matters. No, oh. by all accounts, he was a very good junior leader, uh, at least by the standards of the day, which I assume just means beating your soldiers. Yeah, um, he, didn't, he didn't beat them quite to death, like just halfway. I will say in the comparison to Luigi, um, where he was like just a horrible disciplinarian, um, by a, Conrad wasn't. But what the flip side is that he just didn't know anything about the army that he was commanding. So he didn't even care enough to execute his own soldiers. <laughs> so one plus one for Conrad. He was not like, a, you know, one of the things that uh, Luigi did was, you know, execute more people than anyone else in World War One. 
Conrad didn't do that. In fact, he's the one that caused Luigi to do all that because this is the, the person that Luigi is fighting during all of the war for the most part. So uh, after that, he went to Kriegsschule, which is like staff college um, at, at, for about three years. And again, in school, he graduated uh, and did very well. Uh, he, d- he graduated with, quote, distinguished success, uh, which I don't exactly know what that means. I assume some version of commandant's list. Um, and after that, he like shot up the ranks. Um, he was attached to the general staff in 1876. Literally, he just was- shot everyone who was ahead of him. I mean that would make more sense, honestly. So, like oh, one one thing the, that's the starship constantly... troopers' method of gaining rank, yeah, <laughs> like something that's constantly mentioned in a lot of um, analysis of his career is that the whole time that he's ascending up the ranks, pretty much most of the Austro-Hungarian Empire has no real war experience. <laughs> so, like, he's good on paper. Um, he's he's very good at theory, the worst kind of thing to be good at. Um, so he's a poster. Yeah, I would hate to see this motherfucker post, and you'll see why. Uh, he was eventually sent to Bosnia and Herzegovina. So the reason for that is they signed what was called the Treaty of Berlin in 1878. Uh, that was after Russia crushed the Ottoman Empire and the Russo-Turkish War of 1877. What up, Russia? Good job. Oh, yeah, um, I remember that one. <laughs> uh, now the reason that this actually is good starting point of how World War I eventually turned into what it became. So it gave independence to Romania, kind of. It gave independence to Serbia and Montenegro, Montenegro while um, uh, Bosnia was allowed to be occupied by the Austro-Hungarians while still technically controlled by the Ottomans. So, Oh yeah, that makes um, sense. Yeah, it's dumb. On the fl- This is all part of the great game shit about picking apart the sick man of Europe, which... Maybe if you guys would have done a little bit faster, my great-great-grandparents would still be alive. But, um, you know, one of the reasons why... Wait a minute. Would your great-great-grandparents be alive in 2021? Sure, why not? We're immortal unless we get (laughs) shot by a Turk. That's how it works. We're the Highlanders of of, of, of the Near East. Now, um, Uh, Joke's on you. I have to live forever, you fuck. It's actually punishment. Um, The reason why is because, like, if you remember, if you remember one of the reasons... That uh, that started World War One is a Yugoslav partisan named Gavrilo Princip shooting the Archduke while he was on tour in Sarajevo. Sarajevo would not have been part of the empire should Russia have not parted the Ottomans apart quite like they did, meaning the war probably wouldn't have happened. Or maybe he would have shot a Russian prince or whatever, and then it would just be Russia's problem. I don't fucking know. Joe, I'm I'm want to I want to ask because also I know about the you know uh, the assassination attempt. Even that is part of a just like man, if this hadn't happened, maybe World War One would have been averted. Like all these tiny little things. Like you've got we've got the you know because the they originally tried to assassinate the Archduke with a grenade, and the grenade went off too late. And yeah. they're like, oh, well, shit, well, let's go get a sub sandwich. And then they're just like having a sandwich and the Archduke drove by and they're like, oh, shit, and get the gun. Then they as shot much him. as like, I wish that was true, the sandwich story is not true. Oh, no, Joe. Yeah, I'm sorry. That. That's fine. <laughs> Nate, cut all of that out. <laughs> it would have been. It would. No, I mean, you're not. It's like, we, you know, we talked about in another episode is like sometimes uh, myths end up being so wrapped up in an everyday retelling of a story they eventually just become accepted fact. And like, you're probably one of 10 million fucking people who, who think the sandwich story is true because it's funny. Like we like to think that these incredibly powerful people are just killed on, on happenstance or like he just barely escaped and then got clipped by Gavarillo as he was getting a fucking $5 foot long or whatever. Um, <laughs> it's like, that is funny. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there, I mean, world war one, we're going to talk about a little bit more. It was just a really, it was a, a continual saga of dick measuring that nobody wanted to back down from. Like even like you know, like Russia, the, the Czar and the Kaiser were writing each other because they were fucking cousins. Like ah, well, I guess there's nothing more we can do except destroy each other's countries now. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah. literally, well, World any War of them really just had to was... pump the brakes a bit, and everybody, like you know, however many millions of people would still be alive. Yeah, there there is really no like this is the thing that caused World War One. It's it was it was gonna happen at some point. It's just where is the dam gonna burst first? 
And we'll t- and we'll talk about it a little bit more later on. But yeah, there was. When are you going to do a World War One series, Joe? Just from from the beginning to the end, man. So we already did it. <laughs> called the Great War, and it's very well done. Uh, Bitch, the, you would still be in the middle of it. If and you also, were, if Dan you were, Carlin's series count, it was a blueprint to the apocalypse is magnificent, and I'll never outdo it. Uh, you know, he well, puts not out with like, that attitude. Uh, he puts out <laughs> one episode per year or whatever, and each one of them is fucking hot fire. So I'm not gonna st- I'm not gonna fuck with that. I look. I think that you you should absolutely do a seven hour podcast with me and Carrie. Just seven hours straight recording of you telling us about like the French revolution, but take no notes, do none of that. Just like <laughs> do it off the cuff and just like remember things and have to go back and then come back forward. It'll be fantastic. All three of us just like take some Adderall and then we just all do a stream for 24 hours and only talk about the French revolution. This is just me falling further and further into a pit of my own psychosis. Yeah. I mean, that's what we're here for. <laughs> so after he was stationed in Bosnia, uh, Conrad went back to the military academy this time as a teacher and he was promoted to major um, now despite everything we will eventually be talking about he was considered a good teacher and his students liked him though Conrad himself hated being a teacher and uh, wanted to command again and he eventually got the fuck out of there in 1892 and um, started going back up the ranks once again now at this point of his career a lot of people liked him um, despite the fact that he he only took part in a very small rebellion in 1882, uh, and his part was pretty negligible, he wrote endlessly about military tactics. Uh, the books that he wrote were incredibly popular, even if he himself was not. Um, like People read his work, and they knew who Conrad Hotzendorf was. Sorry, were they good for the time, though, or were they like... Were they good military no. tactic books? No. I mean, it, it's, okay. it's hard... To say good or not, because the war that he had trained for, he never would fight. Um, you know, him, Luigi Cadorna, you know, Joseph Jaffra to a lesser extent in France, all these guys trained for a war, and then when they found themselves in a war, their tactics were already out of date. I was gonna say, um, like, what it, what even was a tactics book at this point? Because I feel like based on their performance in later wars, a lot of it was just uh, I don't know, gather a bunch of guys together and uh, march them at the enemy and uh Hope that you uh, have somebody when you reach the other side. I mean, that, but also you have to understand that fast-firing artillery wasn't really a thing. Machine guns were not widely deployed. Um, you know, indirect fire was pretty much just developed in the Russo-Japanese War. I mean, you um, didn't even really have semi-automatic fire. Probably everybody had bolt bolt actions or rolling blocks. Yes. Yeah, there was... There was you know, bolt a, a a competent bolt action rifle was all you could hope for, and if you were you know Canada, you didn't have that either. Um, but oh look, a, a crate of Ross rifles. This is this will be great. <laughs> <laughs> now, like people really like the idea of Conrad Hotzendorf because he's a prolific writer, um, and one one of his books found his way into the lap of Archduke Franz Ferdinand. Uh, who suggested to Emperor Joseph that Conrad be promoted to chief of staff. And he was. Um, which, I mean, I assume that's <laughs> that how most of those promotions... That you became chief of... If, like, somebody like Biden reads Hooligans of Kandahar. is like, fuck it, this guy's in charge now. Do it, pussy. Fucking do it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this boy sounds like he's got a lot of good ideas. He's in charge now. Now, as soon as he got promoted and elevated into what is effectively functioning as a politician at this point, uh, he started pissing people off. Uh, he told everybody who would listen that the Imperial Army was dog shit and needed to be modernized. Now, to his credit, he was 100% right about that. And we will talk more about that dog shit army later on. <laughs> but he also told everybody that the M- Empire was a laughing stock of Europe, which, again, partially true. Um, but in order to fix that, their prestige, if you will, uh, make people respect the Habsburg monarchy again, they need, they need to do some more empire-type shit. Now, in the game of empires, it isn't hard to boil it all down to some pretty simple things uh, when you take out all the backroom backstabbing and whatever. If you're an empire or a kingdom in this age, you need to become more powerful to enhance your prestige. The way to do that is via military conquests, meaning that at any given point, you're always on a war footing or see everyone around you as a constant threat to your standing or a future enemy. Uh, this is what led to the, you know, the never-ending chain of alliances that eventually sparked World War I. Now, Conrad wasn't al- alone in all of this. 
but he was the loudest person in the room. Now, as we know in the U.S., that is generally not the problem. Assuming that you're uh, like good in the realm of politics, you can get what you need to do done. Or you know, people didn't always seize everything by a barrel of a gun. Sometimes you did it through like backdoor politicking, which we will talk about in a little bit. Um, you can be a loud dickhead. If you're good at politics, because you still have to like, you can't keep your job if everybody hates you. So <laughs> Conrad is only good at about 50% of that. He was dog shit at politics and wouldn't stop talking about how everybody sucked at their job except him. Uh, pretty much everybody out, outside of the Archduke friends himself fucking hated him. Uh, he didn't socialize with anybody or make any kind of small talk. And someone like um, uh, described him as a loner, which is really weird for a chief of staff of an empire, right? Right. Uh, he took part, like, even though he was technically a noble, he didn't take part in any of this nobility dog shit. Uh, a lot of times when, like, you know, galas and balls and shit came up, he would just ghost them. Uh, he was a pretty socially awkward dude and didn't like leaving his house, <laughs> which is all very weird. Uh, but also relatable. Uh, yeah, but I'm also not chief of staff. Um, now, there is a reason for part of this. Around the same time he became chief of staff, a couple years before, his wife died, uh, who was also the mother of his four children. Now, uh, by all accounts, uh, even though th- they were like an aristocratic marriage, they deeply loved each other, and that fucked him up pretty bad when his wife died. But in the years since, he had fallen in love with a different aristocrat, this one an Italian, uh, who has already had six children and currently married. Um, he, at one point... And it like, was Cadarno's wi- wife! No, at one point, he went to her home in Italy and was like, well, I'm not leaving until like, you know, I get your hand in marriage or whatever. She's like, well, I'm already fucking married. I guess we can fuck. So they started an affair, uh, which is very creepy. Um, but Conrad was like desperately in love to like in a future true crime event level. He wrote over 3,000 letters to her, some of which were 60 pages in length. But because well, he was worried about his political standing in case somebody like read his mail, which they probably were, because remember, everybody hated him and, you know, thrown imperial politics in the palace or whatever. It says that everybody's trying to backstab somebody else. So he didn't send any of them for fear people would find out that he's fucking around on a married woman who also is part of like kind of an enemy nation. Uh, hey, Joe, we're, we're, we're any of them, them kind of hot. I didn't read any of them because remember I said some of them were sixty pages long. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring up another thing from history. We'll see if you're gonna tell me I'm wrong about this one because it's just reminiscent of uh, Ben Franklin writing about farts and stuff and how I thought, how hot he finds it. I thought that was uh, James Joyce. Yeah. Was it James Joyce? It was James Joyce who like wrote all the letters to his wife. That was like talking about how he wanted her to like f- right. fart on his face and shit. Ben Franklin was into older ladies, right? Yeah, Ben Franklin fucked like crazy. Yeah, he was like into every prostitute in France and like developed a wide range of venereal diseases as a result. <laughs> ah, a worldly gentleman. I mean, this is more in my mind, this is almost more uh, akin to like how Petraeus got caught, like, you know, fucking around. <laughs> Apparently he did write an essay about farting proudly, but it wasn't necessarily a, uh, a sexual thing. Anyway, sorry, go ahead. It was just for the dudes. Hey, we're not here to kink shame Benjamin Franklin. <laughs> I mean, I am. That was actually the only reason I ever agreed to do this uh, do this recording today was to kink shame specifically Benjamin Franklin. Congratulations on completing your side quest. Um, <laughs> now, Conrad refused to send any of these letters out, but he didn't throw them away either. He compiled them all together and made it a giant book that was, again, 3,000 pages long and titled it, quote, The Diary of My Suffering and Hid It From View that was found by his children upon his death in 1925. He was emo. I mean, you know, (laughs) congratulations for him for like both being at the same time. I don't want to send any of these because I'm afraid of the blackmail material. But I am going to just collect them all together into one big binder of blackmail just to like, you know, just to have it easier to to his credit. He did end up marrying that woman eventually. I just didn't even tell her about them. I love the idea of him just hanging out and like he's he's got a journal that's just full of uh, lyrics from like My Chemical Romance. (laughs) Aren't we all just part of the how you say black parade? Um, (laughs) I like that he became French right there. 
I can't do Austrian. Yeah, that's weird. I don't know. Someone, someone do an Austrian accent that just splice it in. Um, now, <laughs> now, one of the ways that when the, one of his favorite things that he did in order for these Imperial Prestige projects was preventative war, which sounds great, right? It's like preserving your virginity by yeah, fucking. I was going to say, I've, I've never heard that go wrong, particularly not, say, in the last 20 years. Yeah, he, he would be right at home in the Bush White House. Um, he, like, whenever anybody, like flexed as part of politics he's like we should invade him and everybody like everybody's like dude conrad shut the fuck up like that was like his answer to literally everything was let's fucking invade them um now one of this the people that he pissed off with his constant calls of war was the empire's foreign minister alois lexa von Ehrenthal. which remember that is his job as foreign minister like i refuse to believe that uh alois was hitler's dad's name so Owned, yeah. Um, now, not because Arenthal was particularly good at his job, because he was not. Uh, because remember, this is a couple of years before World War One. The foreign minister kind of sucks at his job, um, but because starting wars over dumb shit was his job, and he was afraid that he was going to steal his thunder. It was specifically because of him that the empire almost found themselves at war. Now we talked about the uh, Treaty of Berlin. Um, which ended with the imperial occupation of Bosnia. Uh, that was not formally part of the empire, but instead part of the Ottomans. So around, like I said, the same treaty uh, gave Serbia independence, but uh, the Austrian empire always wanted to take Serbia over. They didn't give a fuck about Bosnia for the most part. They, they, Bosnia was the stepping stone to taking Serbia as well. Uh, now, Serbia was rightfully suspicious of any Austrian move to inch closer to them, i.e. occupying Bosnia. Also, they wanted to take over Bosnia for themselves. Certainly nothing that would ever cause problems later on in history. Now, um, Serbia also knew that if anything popped off between them and Austria, they could rely on Russia, who was supporting them and supplying their military. So in 1908, sadly, after Russia got shit kicked in by the Japanese and unable to really do anything militarily, Austria annexed Bosnia knowing that it would piss off Serbia and then in turn Russia, who wouldn't be able to do anything. I'm going to, I might need like an org chart here. Can you make me like a PowerPoint yeah. slide? Wait a minute. What is this war between Japan and Russia? Number one. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a podcast I can recommend you that you're currently on now. Um, <laughs> around the same time, Bulgaria also declared its independence from the Ottoman empire. Uh, all of this was pissing Russia off uh, and Serbia. And also the Ottoman Empire. Uh, because remember, not only did the Ottoman Empire just lose Bulgaria, they also technically lose, lost Bosnia, even though they didn't really control it anyway. Austria was occupying it. Now, pretty much every power in the world not named Austria saw this annexation of Bosnia as a huge violation of the previous Treaty of Berlin. Now, even though Austria and Russia had talked uh, behind closed doors that like, hey, I'm going to annex this, it's going to piss off Serbia. I want you to know that, like, I want to know that you're cool with it. Russia said it was fine. They said that publicly they would, be, they would back Serbia and say, like, no, annexing Bosnia is bad. You shouldn't do that. But privately, it's fine. But you have to give us this other piece of Ottoman land that you currently occupy called the Sanjak of Novi Bazar. Um, so, <laughs> so, so much I'm about this period. Of, so much about this period of Europe is just like, just like, just fantastical fucking names that you would never otherwise imagine relate to anything in the real world. I want to ask what On the it flip is. Side, I would also, say these are mostly the the traditional names, which are then changed due to the continuation of imperialism throughout the Balkans and Eastern Europe. Well, now you're going to just make me feel bad. You should. <laughs> I won't, because you know what I've. Uh, I pledge to never learn anything uh, because of or related to the internet, and I stand by that. Solid choice, honestly. Um, now, remember, Russia said this is fine. We're cool with it. Now, <laughs> if when Russia gives you okay, then you know it's not going to be a problem. Right. Now, when the Russia annexation... famously sticking to their word. When the annexation actually took place, uh, Russia was pissed, uh, mostly because they assumed <laughs> that it would happen at a later date. They'd be able to. There was a few other things at play. Effectively, Austria fucked over Russia, but but here's the thing: they had receipts, right? Uh, so like Russia pressed Austria, like, "Hey, man, what the fuck? I thought we had a deal." 
So uh, Austria decided this had coming up on on Austria with like a bunch of screenshots of DMs. It's like, what the fuck, bro? <laughs> this is exactly what happened. Uh, so and then Austria responds with uh, an email that they type out in the notes app. So what happened? Uh, I promise we'll do what is, better what forward. Is World War One, but a gigantic meltdown may. Ah, uh, God. Everything is not posting. <laughs> now, um, when the, when Russia started getting shitty with Austria, Austria began to leak all of the diplomatic cables and documents between the two that they had signed, which Russia was like, yes, I'm fine with this annexation. LOL, fuck Serbia, which, of course, pissed off <laughs> Serbia. Uh, at Cursed Balkan YouTube uh, comments. <laughs> So, yeah, someone's going to, like, cut that clip out of context and just, like, send it to a Serbian YouTube, and I'm going to be fucking killed in my sleep. Um, Now, (laughs) when Austria started doing this, this, of course, panicked Russia, because this could be used to, you know, separate Serbia from Russia. And uh, when this happened, all of the the previous signatories to the Committee of Berlin had to get together and vote uh, on if this annexation was a violation of the treaty. Uh, Russia was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm saying it's fine. If everybody else says it's fine, as long as you stop le- leaking my goddamn documents, and everybody's like, fine, it's cool. It's yours now because Europe, right? Uh, mostly because if 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 Russia had refused to accent to the annexation, Austria almost certainly would have invaded Serbia right then, which may have started World War One a couple years early, or not started a war at all because Russia would not have had the ability to support Serbia. So, who's to say this is good or bad, right? <laughs> or Now, leaking the documents had been Arenthal's idea. And the entire time this was happening, Conrad had other ideas. He's like, fuck it, let's just invade Serbia. Let's just, in- fuck, it, fuck Serbia, let's just invade them. Also, invade Italy, too. For some reason. <laughs> this Seriously. was actually Bill Clinton during the 90s. Do people realize this? <laughs> the history of the Balkans is very, like, different, but also very the same. Now, Italy was very, very mad about the annexation of Bosnia. There was uh, a lot of Italian irredentalism at the time going on, which you know includes bringing all of what they consider Italy together, some of it including parts of what was then the Austrian Empire. So they really didn't fucking like each other. Oh, the, great, the greater Italy crow prosperity spear. Of, of course, yeah, yeah. Uh, which also includes North Africa for some reason, um, yeah, and uh, yeah, and large you know, like, chunks of the Balkans, <laughs> yeah, Ethiopia. Um, you know, like you know, just just getting wild with it, just you know, trying to maybe like you know, maybe retaking Carthage again, just for sh- you know, shit. What if we all just come together like strands of spaghetti? Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, tra- uh, and you know, not to mention the traditional Italian homeworld of Staten Island. <laughs> oh, cool! Cop racism island, Italy. <laughs> um, now, <laughs> so like I said, Conrad wanted war with pretty much everybody who flexed at them wrong, oddly except Russia. And the, we'll talk why he didn't actually talk about invading Russia at the time. Conrad's explanation was, and I honestly can't say he's entirely wrong. Was like, hey, if we just fucking invade Serbia, Russia's probably too weak to stop us. Probably he's carrying a lot of weight there, but then there was also the let's invade Italy too. Those motherfuckers are annoying. Like it, it was pissing people off. Um, Once again, Italian racism. <laughs> now, pretty much every letter he sent to the imperial throne at this point was about invading either Italy or Serbia or both. It didn't really matter. He wanted to go to war <laughs> against somebody. <laughs> But, like, you know, who's to say if, like, they wouldn't have listened to him if Arenthal's plan didn't work? But Arenthal's plan did work. Uh, So, like, he had no friends left in office other than Franz Ferdinand, who is still alive at this point. So, like, Arenthal got word on his uh, fucking around with the Italian and blackmailed him with it in order to, like, uh, blackmailed Franz, say, hey, if you don't fire him, I'm going to leak this. So they fired him. Uh, He got fired from chief of staff in 1911. But he would not be gone for long because Arenthal died that same year and the Archduke Franz Ferdinand got Conrad his old job back in 1912. (laughs) (laughs) I'm back, baby! Let's invade Italy! He didn't even ask or was Franz Ferdinand also just like, yeah, fuck it, let's invade somebody, let's go. Well, I mean, Franz really liked him 
Um, and so did the Emperor for the most part, but also nobody was like as war boner as he was. I mean, Arenthal was obviously very cool, possibly sparking a giant Eastern European wide war. But also everybody wanted to like try to do other Imperial fuckery before we just invade people. Uh, but, you know, he got back into the office of the chief of staff right as the Balkan Wars were kicking off in 1912, where like the entire Balkans is tearing itself apart in uh, two different wars. It's really, really bad. I'm not going to go into it a lot because like anything to well, do with the Balkans, very confusing stuff. At least it only happened once. Twice. Before World War One, anyway. Uh, then thankfully never again. Um, anyway, we're going to go to Yugoslavia for our first live show. <laughs> Uh, oh, now man, I can't. I can't wait to record from a bunker in Albania. I, you know, people say that's like a bit. I'm fucking dead serious that I do my first live show ever in Albania. But I mean, I've done dumber things. One of one of my running routes. There's a couple of uh, there. There's a, a a plumber's truck that is uh, for this. Um, this it's basically the American flag smashed together with an Albanian flag. Hell so yeah. I'll talk to them. <laughs> we'll see if it's just like I'll have them come and fix some pipes in my house and be like, "Do you know about podcasting?" Just slide them, <laughs> slide them a five spot. Can you get, can you set up the recording bunker? Do you have somebody we can stay with? And do you have some Cold War items for us to marvel over? Yeah, like can we all like the also whole just like sides full of them? Just like you know, like do you have like a bunker we can record in that might also be full of? You know, like AK forty seven copies that we could take home with us. I mean, just you know, throwing it out there. I mean, Albania, you know the deal. Call me. Uh, but while this was all going on, uh, it mostly it started as a war between the Ottomans and the Bulgarians, and a few others jumped in. But Conrad, see, he's a man of opportunity. He saw this as a chance. He's like, you know, what we should do. We should fucking invade Serbia. <laughs> <laughs> Now, at the at the time, again, they believed that Serbia would be an easy target because they're already locked in all these all these wars, and they'd just be able to like swoop in and, and fuck them up. Now, between 1913 and 1914, in just the span of a year, he demanded imperial authority to invade Serbia 25 different times. <laughs> this is before the death of the Archduke, mind you. That rules. So, uh... Conrad was obsessed with taking over Serbia. At one point, he was telling the emperor that if they didn't strike as soon as possible, somehow the Serbs would gather enough weapons and invade the Habsburg Empire, toppling it. Or uh, another part of it is like, it is this weird cornerstone of holding the dual monarchy together, which everybody at this point knows is is pretty fucking rickety, right? Um, He wrote to the Archduke and the emperor hundreds of times over the course of this year. Uh, telling him like why they needed to invade Serbia, why they should invade Serbia, what would happen if they didn't, what they could, what the emperor or what the empire would look like if they did take over Serbia. I've seen him called the Donald Rumsfeld of the Austro-Hungarian Empire before. I, yeah, I, I was going to say he's more of a Dick Cheney or John Bolton, though I would I say mean, calling or, him or Dick we, Cheney is giving him too much credit. Or if we want somebody a little closer to home, he's more of a Seb Gorka. No, because. Well, Sep Gorka is Hungarian. Yeah. And he probably also believes Serbians are subhuman. So, you know. <laughs> and he is a fascist. So, he is a fascist. <laughs> then, on the 28th of June, 1914, when the Archduke and his wife got lit up by the Black Hand in Sarajevo, Sarajevo by Yugoslav nationalists, you know, the, the, the small domino leading to the big domino of, of World War I started. Now, I'm going to yada yada my way through the start of World War I, so bear with me. Uh, this eventually led to the imperial government issuing its July ultimatum to Serbia, which had 10 points, all of which are, were purposefully impossible for Serbia to meet. Uh, and a lot of it boiled down to stop me- saying mean things about the empire and also let our cops into Serbia to make sure you stop saying mean things about the empire. Uh, but like they were, they were effectively saying, like, you know, as the kingdom of Serbia, you can no longer talk about like Yugoslav uh, uh, unification and things like that because that that hurts us. And also, to make sure you're not doing that, you have to allow in just like thousands of secret agents from our empire to like monitor you. Yeah, so, like so let of us course they weren't going to fucking do it. Let us invade you so we don't invade you. Yeah, uh, and this was not Conrad's idea. His idea was just like let's invade Serbia, <laughs> right? Um, but the whole time he the whole time he's telling anybody who's listen who would listen how prepared the army is, 
why like they're going to steamroll Serbia. They're not even people. They're subhuman. They need the our monarchy so they can live, you know, type shit. He I mean, he's by no means the the guy whispering into the other guy's ear for Lord of the Rings, but you know, if there was anyone to the pump the brakes in the situation, it could have and should have been him as the commander of the military. Instead, he just like slammed on the brakes and's like, "Let's go, baby." Um now Obviously, the start of World War One is way more complicated than that, but that's what I'm going with. Conrad finally got his war with Serbia. Unfortunately for him, he also got a war with Russia, <laughs> and also eventually Italy. Um, oh, which the classic mistake. Now, here's the very dumb thing. At this point, everybody knew a war with Serbia meant a war with Russia, right? Common knowledge. Russia has said as much publicly and to the buildup of the war, like that was one of the things that like people knew that if they flipped the switch, there's no turning back because like Russia's like, no, no, no. If you invade Serbia, which was like the other part of the, the ultimatum, if you don't follow the July ultimatum, like it means war. Russia's like, we have no choice but to mobilize, which means we're going to go to war. So then he invaded Serbia and he was like, oh shit, the Russians got involved. Like they fucking told you they were going to get involved. <laughs> I, I what was it the uh, uh, I can't believe that the Panthers ate my face that the lady <laughs> right. voting for the Panthers eating face party yeah now he had not planned for a war with Russia at all not to mention a two front war whatsoever now the man had been demanding war against Serbia for like a fucking decade and never once thought that Russia might actually fulfill their promise to defend Serbia great like it's now, also like you don't you don't even like war game that shit like once. Now here's like, the funny part about the war games. You actually, if you were following a script, that's how you'd segue into this next part because we're going to talk about Australian military planning or Austrian military planning. Oh yeah, let's talk about Australian military. Planning. <laughs> <laughs> They're oh, fighting the emus mate. again. Yeah, so we're going to talk about Austrian military planning. Uh, now you know, you guys are both in the in, in the U.S. military. Shocks, kind of. Uh, Supposedly. <laughs> so but like you know if there was like an operational thing like you know operation iraqi freedom you know that great wonderful war that we totally won those plans were, were formed by like hundreds of people all of them talking to one another kind of you know this it was certainly an organizational capacity type thing right i would well, hope <laughs> i mean it's at least going to be talked to by like the joint chiefs and then sure. various other. Yeah. yeah. I mean, All even military like- planning in Austria went through Conrad and Conrad alone. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he had full dictatorial powers over all things to do with the military, which is, I have never heard of another military quite set up this way. Like, remember this is in monarchy an absolute monarchy. Uh, and like the emperor and the archduke and all these other people would ask him about his plans and he would just not show them. It's like, yeah, don't, don't worry about it. It's going it, to, I promise you a quick victory. And they'd be like, all right, that was it. Like but, but, uh, imagine but, like the president of the United States, not knowing like just how the fuck we were going to invade somewhere. Like, nah, you're good. I trust you. Go ahead. You're, you're fine. Like well, he's been he's been asking to invade Serbia at a certain point. You're just like, get yes, fine, go away. We, sure. I mean, rightfully, you assume my... this guy has a good plan for invading Serbia. It's all he talks about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, you would only assume that if you don't have like one of those cousins that's always like, dude, I got an idea. We're gonna make so much money off of this. <laughs> all right, all, all right, right whatever, twenty man. bucks. Yeah. Um, so. When he found himself fighting a multi-front war that he had no plans for at all, he just didn't tell anybody. Oh, he, all right. So he took the E4 kind of perspective on this one. He's like, hey, uh, Conrad, you got this all figured out? Uh, Yeah, yeah, totally. I just need to, you know, tighten some things. It's like when my editor asked me if I have a couple chapters coming. Yeah, yeah, for sure, bro. I'm almost done. <laughs> I'm just I'm just editing, really. I'm just, you know, I'm just going over some stuff, just making sure the language is fine. <laughs> In reality, I have, like, chapter one written on a paper. Um, Space, he- the final frontier. <laughs> uh, now, this is why after, th- when the Empire declared war on Serbia, and Germany at this point also already involved in the war, is like, hey, you guys need to fucking invade Serbia. Because they figure it would it would suck Russia 
into a war against Austrians and keep them out of a two front war as well. Conrad didn't do anything for a month. <laughs> it's, I mean, he's the dog that caught the car tire that he was chasing. He's I like, mean, oh, we've fuck, all been- I actually have my war with Serbia. What do I do? I mean, we've all been there when it's, you know, like, you know, like you mean to send a thank you card, like, you know, for something. And then it like goes on for a while. And, you know, like a month and a half passes, and then you just like don't really want to do it anymore because now it just feels weird. Like, you know, it's that except with a, you know, with like international conflict between several major nation states in a tinderbox of Europe. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> now here, here's the, here's the even dumber thing. He's the chief of staff of the military. He has dictatorial powers over everything the military does and plans and everything. He didn't know fucking anything about his military. He wrote some nice books though. Yeah, so he knew so little about the inner workings of the Austrian military that when he ordered a full mobilization, he had no idea it was even possible. Uh, so at the time, it was traditional for soldiers, you know, the the people on the active duty, to go home and help harvest crops in the summer, right? Uh, so like all of his uh, bodies that he would be mobilizing in this general mobilization, as it would be called, he just couldn't because they're all at home. Uh, something he probably should have known. Also, you can't just cut the harvest short. You're about to go to fucking war. You're going to need that food, right? So he is like, uh, partial mobilization for a two-front war, right? Uh, not cool. good. Good. Furthermore, his plans uh, for the uh, mobilized army that he remembered did not have were based on railroad timetables that were 40 years old. So, like, you know, he's deploying soldiers to the front. All of this is going to be based on railroad movements and very strict timelines. Uh, I think we've touched about this before on, like, World War One era tactics. So many strict timelines. So, if, like, one thing gets pushed to the left or right, everything kind of goes to shit. Yeah. His very strict timelines were based on railroads that simply didn't exist anymore. That rules. <laughs> yeah. Uh, speaking of this army that he didn't have and couldn't go anywhere because he didn't have railroads, when he did get them, they were terrible. Uh, now, he thought he had thousands of more soldiers than he actually did have because of the partial mobilization, but he also had no idea what kind of training or equipment they would have, despite the fact he literally wrote the book of tactics they would be ordered to carry out. Now, the equipment he did have was the worst in Europe, just about. The only decent thing he had was a, a bolt-action rifle. Um, everything after that was old, shitty, or he just didn't have enough of them. Uh, they had only recently gotten artillery that had any kind of recoil management, meaning like he could fire them rapidly. Before this, he would like uh, Austrian gunners would have to dig a shovel between uh, behind the wheel of uh, of their cannons, so when it fired, didn't recoil too far back. Well, and like I'd imagine that he's essentially just like using what like. Napoleon era guns at that point. Yeah, they're certainly newer than Napoleon's because at this point it's a hundred years ago. Um, but yeah. you, they were made of like brass because they were cheaper or brass or bronze and they were cheaper. So like when they fired, they couldn't fire as fast because you'd destroy them. Yeah, you literally just like split the cannon in pieces. And uh, the the recoil, the guns that he did have with recoil management were hand me downs from France, which was now an enemy nation. <laughs> so oh, like so the the iran issue where like you end up with a lot of guns but they're all from your enemy well it, yeah but also it didn't really matter because those guns were so badly out of date that they were outranged by pretty much every other gun in europe by a thousand meters or more to include the serbs and the russians so like if if you give someone this kind of artillery and then you have you know the much better artillery it's like whatever they can't fucking hit us anyway <laughs> who cares um now this is where like shitty guns could maybe be outdone by good training, right? Like who maybe you can't shoot very far, but maybe you can shoot very accurately. Yeah. Budget cuts. Mm. <laughs> uh, the Imperial Army only had a budget for 250 pre- uh, practice rounds per year per gun. So yeah, not a whole good. lot. Yeah. Now, another thing, he, he's supposed to be an infantry guy. He's supposed to be the general of infantry at one point. So, you know, obviously we know about command and control, small unit tactics and things like that, which were not foreign as a lot of people like to think they were during World War One. Non-commissioned officers were a thing. They led smaller units to make sure officers' orders were carried out and passed down, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So he just simply didn't have any. Um, NCOs, really? 
Oh, okay. <laughs> I was going to say he didn't have any what, but like, so like, he just didn't have any non-coms somehow? So he he did, kind of, but he had the least of any army in Europe. Um, now, the Germans... That, it's, a, it's just all sergeants, first class, and lieutenants and privates. Ugh. Ugh. So, for comparison, the German army at the time, considered one of the best in Europe, had 12 NCOs per company um, and several more officers. Uh, the French had six, uh, and uh, the Austrians had three. <laughs> how many? How many were in a company? Three. No, I mean all to get three oh, over oh, uh, about a hundred and sixty. Good fucking lord! And one <laughs> officer. Oh no! Oh no! Now that that is certainly a command problem, right? Now, I could see this kind of working, assuming you spoke the same language. Which they didn't. <laughs> so, this is my favorite oversight because of just how stupid it is in its simplicity. Language in the Austro-Hungarian Empire, again, Austria-Hungary, it's a dual monarchy. It had citizens that spoke several different languages, more than just Austrian and Hungarian, even more than that. Um, now, the, there was no real standardization, and the imperial government did try to get around that by making German the official military language. but. Because of the empire split nature, both Austria and Hungary, as well as the unified imperial and royal armies, all had their own formations. So, you know, the standard spoken language of the imperial and royal army, which is the, the KUK, is German. But Austria and Hungary both have their own militaries. Also, there's various Baltic minorities that speak their own languages. And no, you didn't learn these languages in school. Um, cool. So, you know, the Hungarians spoke Hungarians and the various other groups spoke whatever languages they spoke. Now, in order to get around this, because someone eventually did come to the conclusion, like, you know, we might have to work together at some point, right? So there were 80 parade ground phrases that everybody was required to learn in German. And then, depending on the unit type, each recruit was required to learn a quote-unquote service language of about a thousand words related to their service. So that being, you know, infantry commands, artillery commands in that particular language. A service language was uh, designed by if it was if that particular language was spoken by at least twenty percent of soldiers in that unit. So this meant that some units had to speak as many as five different languages. Can you imagine that possibly working? It's hard enough when like you've got a soldier who doesn't speak English, like right? I, you know, if you've ever had a guy who like doesn't speak. Uh, English as their first language, like there's a language barrier to get over that. I cannot imagine trying to do that with five, especially with like you got to imagine all the dialects that these that that are probably uh, out there as well. I could see this possibly working in a parade ground situation in peacetime because say like you get moved to a different unit or whatever. Like oh, I'm in a Hungarian unit. I have to learn a couple words of Hungarian. I have however many months and years to learn this. Right. That's all gone because you're at fucking war now. <laughs> so what really happened was. Absolutely nobody did this. Nobody spoke any fucking language very well. Um, and when things started moving rapidly and people started getting reinforced with various new recruits from whatever different region that just didn't have enough time to up and learn Hungarian or German or whatever. So at the end of the day, a lot of units simply could not communicate. Uh, there was a lot of company commanders who just could not talk to their own NCOs or soldiers and then compound that times a million when you're supposed to like coordinate with a unit next door who maybe ha even has a different service language, let alone whatever other real language you speak, right? So you, you just can't fucking talk to anybody. <laughs> now, these are all very surface-level problems, right? Very simple things to figure out. Like, hey, as chief of staff of the military, I'm going to ask these generals... What problems do you have? And then, you know, maybe the first one that comes up is, I can't fucking talk to anyone in my unit. Um, he just didn't. He didn't talk to anybody. Uh, he, he figured if anybody, if there's any problems, someone would tell him, right? Nope. Uh, and remember, <laughs> he's been in charge of this. He's been chief of staff on and off since before 1911. He's had years to fix this. Uh, and he didn't do anything. Or, like, not even uh, fix it, but even just, like, create a different system or do something different in the first place. Right. 
Uh, yeah, instead, he's like, ah, well, it worked for all of our other wars, which there wasn't that many. Um, and I mean, it's there's certainly not on the scale. No, absolutely. There's a reason why it doesn't the Austro-Hungarian Empire does not survive this war. Um, I mean, one of a million reasons. F- farewell to the Habsburgs. Yep. Uh, now at, we'll, see, at, we'll see you on Twitter at Eduardo Habsburg for any questions you have about any of this. I just I can't really I I really can't stress that enough. Conrad is not a Habsburg. If you want to know why, please at Eduardo Habsburg and uh, just ask why. Uh, you know, all of his buddies are not also part of the royal family. Now, uh, after waiting a month to invade Serbia. Conrad had, a, had to have a knee-jerk response because the Russians were getting involved. They're invading through the Carpathian Mountains, right? So he split his forces at the last second without consulting anybody and then invaded Serbia anyway. Uh, and then now, ran like, into Dracula. <laughs> now, like Apparently I said got before, the nut. <laughs> it, it's going to be... He's going to have post-nut reflection real fast. <laughs> uh, he's going to catch himself in the reflection of his monitor real quick. <laughs> So, like I said, Conrad did not think Serbians were the same as Austrians. He thought they were below them. They were stupid, barbaric, whatever. And normal, you know, aristocracy type racism type shit. You know what I mean? Um, So he underestimated them badly. So, of course, you know what happens next. Austro-Hungarians get their fucking ass kicked by Serbia. Um, It was considered, you know... Until since this is the very beginning of the war, like, ah, this is so embarrassing. How could you ever, you know, how could things possibly get worse than this? Uh, it it was Joe, shocking. Joe would, you, Joe, would you say that it gets worse? I haven't gotten to that quite yet. <laughs> we haven't even gotten to the Carpathian Mountains. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they get their ass kicked by Serbia. Uh, the Austrians do manage to take Belgrade, uh, the capital, but lose it almost immediately thereafter. So the, the, the only real victory that the Austrians could actually claim was the fact that them going to war in Serbia caused a horrible typhus outbreak uh, that killed just like Joe. tens of thousands of Serbians, uh, mostly soldiers, a lot of civilians too, but they killed more soldiers with typhus than they did by invading. This is in fact the end of part one. Stay tuned for the next installment soon.